Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Listen, honey. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Yo, I'm really excited about today's guest. Okay, here's why. Let me tell you a little bit about why I invited you, Christine, here. Hold on. I am a huge fan of self-help. I learned um, early on that when I was reading a lot, when I'd read books like Sweet Valley High versus like um, The Babysitter's Club and then things like... Um, Think and Grow Rich. I really loved books that taught me how to reflect on my thoughts, how to improve myself through the pages, and how to feel stronger because I felt smarter. Those three fucking things made me feel so sexy. Instead of reading about Jessica's fucking boyfriend or who was getting pregnant over here and, and you know, all those things, thought, drama. And that's kind of the same reason why today I, I like a good reality show to get my mind off things, but it really is to turn off my mind when really I love my mind being on and growing from it. So I'm at a place in my life right now where I have an immense appreciation for people who help you to be the better version of you. So the guest I have today is life coach extraordinaire Christine Ovsepian. Welcome. Thank you How for are having you doing? me. Good. Great. How are you? Amazing. Thank you. So, Christine, I actually found you on Instagram. And I've been following for a while and watching the things that you post and watching the things that you promote. And like a good Instagram account, all of a sudden, I was like so attracted to you and thought, I want her to be my friend. I want to know more of why she thinks this way. Is her life perfect? How did it get to be like this? And what the freak is a life coach? Because I know about therapists. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of therapy for people. But life coaches is something a little bit more relatively new. The only thing I know about a life coach is like Anthony Robbins, who I also think is great. His documentary is awesome. But can you explain to me what you do and how you got into your business? Absolutely. So life coach is simply the difference between a life coach and a therapist is that we don't diagnose. We don't label. We don't judge our clients. So basically what we are is... And in, at least for myself, I'm going to speak from yeah. my own experience in overcoming my own challenges from my past. I learned tools and I gathered information and the way my life transformed, it got me to a place where I am today that I'm able to guide others through the tools and techniques. So basically what a life coach does is through their expertise, through tools and techniques, we are able to guide individuals to achieve their goals and achieve their dreams and believe that it's possible. Right. So why would somebody come to you out of all right. the life coaches or even therapists out there, why would they come to Christine? So they directly come to me because I don't just do life coaching. I'm also a certified hypnotherapist, intuitive healer. I do EFT. I do What's NLP, EFT? emotional freedom technique. Ooh. So it's it's great. It's an excellent tool for trauma, PTSD, actually, okay. to overcome that. So uh, and then NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming. I do breath work with my clients. So 
So many of my yes, I'm just learning that. Wow, (laughs) many of my clients call me the combo healer because I just have multiple modalities that I work with, which. Coaching is a wonderful tool, but to me, the most important part is tapping into the subconscious and the tools and techniques that I support my clients with through hypnotherapy and breathwork and NLP and EFT, you tap into the subconscious because that's where the programming is. And that's how we heal and change, not on a conscious level. Okay, so that's a big word right there, subconscious. I really want to do a deep dive into the subconscious, but before I ask that, I want to ask this question. What kind of people do you think needs a life coach? Because for my listeners out there, I want them to immediately align whether or not you are for them right. and it, why you would ever be. Mm-hmm. Anyone that feels stuck, really blocked, or anyone that feels depressed or anxious or feeling, <laughs> which is exactly 99.9% of my clientele comes to me with those obstacles. And it's just simply, it's because of our past. It's because of our upbringing and childhood. Those become blocks and limitations in our life that lead to us not achieving our wildest goals and dreams because we think it's impossible Mm. because we think we're not gifted enough or not smart enough or not this enough it's just lack of self-love depression is at its all-time high as is suicide anxiety is something very common i threw out Mm. there on my 40th birthday that i suffer from anxiety i had to kind of actually own that because i felt like i thought i was crazy by saying that when really i realized there's a lot of social stigmas Mm -hmm. behind mental health yes so why do you think the majority of people are depressed. Well, first of all, depression is really we're stuck in the past in our stories. And anxiety is we're fearing the future, the unknown. <gasps> so <laughs> Say it again for the people in the back. Me, say it again. Depression, we're stuck in the past. And anxiety is fear of future. And or what the is unknown. the cause to the both? So the cause to both is stuck stories, memories in our subconscious, and more so anxiety. And I wrote this article, I believe, blog actually, multiple months ago, I think. I don't remember um, when exactly, but I talked about anxiety and how the symptoms of anxiety and excitement are very similar. And it's how we perceive it, how we label it, and the biggest reason why as a society we're stuck in those two dimensions, I would say, is because we hear it every day and the mind just absorbs and the subconscious doesn't judge, discriminate or label. It just takes in information as it comes. And when through the repetition, we start thinking, oh, I have that too. And you ne- you don't necessarily have that problem because majority of the time I ask my clients, have you been clinically diagnosed? And they say, no. And I say, then why do you believe you have those clinical, you know, mental obstacles? Yeah. Exactly. What's a clinical description that we often place ourselves in that is false. Give me an example. I mean, exactly that. Anxiety and depression. Those so are when clinical someone says, words. I am depressed, yeah. you're essentially imprisoning yourself in a definition That's right. that you can get out of. That's but as right. you say that, it's a clinical. It's a belief system. Ooh. It becomes a belief system. Okay, so much to really dive into. Being that. depressed, because I ha- I also have a, back- a psychology background that I never really tap into with my sessions because I choose to keep it light and positive and rewarding and empowering instead of just focusing on the limiting beliefs. But really, when if if a person is diagnosed depressed, it's way deeper than you can't really function in the regular world if you're truly depressed, clinically depressed. Okay. So you are not discrediting the idea of being depressed. You are just advising us to not go and jump into that defining heavy cloud over ourselves. Because actually being depressed 
is a super clinical, severe situation that you need to get help from versus just going through something that you need to heal from and could possibly help yourself through. Absolutely. Eugenie, you're on it today. Okay, so I want to ask you, tell us the difference between somebody who is clinically depressed Mm -hmm. and somebody who is just kind of going through it. Right. So going through it is, first of all, the person that is really seeking for help. Somebody that's clinically depressed, they would necessarily not get out of the house and they won't want to be can't around people exactly can't get out of bed can't shower can't eat can't just simple things that are necessary parts of our daily life they can't do it and that That's, person needs yes, to go get absolutely. what kind of help i mean whatever help they can get to me a combination of psychotherapy with hypnotherapy combined because i always tell my clients don't give up on other modalities that are more scientific, more Western, to just do one thing. Combination can be great. You don't have to pick and choose. And then you then you realize which one is helping me more and is both combined getting me out of the situation that I'm in. Okay. Now describe somebody who is just going through it, quote unquote, which and is, feels depressed. Yes. What do what are their symptoms and what should they do? So those are all of my clients, actually, and they just come. The first thing they write when I say write your intentions of what you'd like to work on today and in the future, and that's the first thing they write, anxiety and depressed, right, filled with anxiety, out of control, I feel blocked, I feel lost, I don't know my purpose, I don't, my love life sucks, or my health or nutrition, my sleep, and all of those things, because to me, there's three main pillars in our lives. It's the love life, health relationships, finances, purpose, those are the main pillars that when one crumbles, the other ones go right with it. Because, mm -hmm. and so if those- If one of those those are falling, the others should go soon. Yes, exactly. And they do, naturally, they do. And ultimately, at the root of all of that is lack of self-love. Okay, lack of self-love. The root of all of those things, particularly those three pillars falling, Mm -hmm. is lack of self-love. That's right. Because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel we can. Our programming is really limiting. That's what that is. Okay. I want to go into the word you just said about subconscious. Mm -hmm. So I've never paid attention to that word. I thought before that subconscious is what you think about when you're not purposely thinking. Mm -hmm. So maybe what your dreams come up with Mm -hmm. and what you just kind of like. Blank thoughts that happen to be like almost like think your trash bin mm-hmm. in your computer. It's just stuff that's left over from whatever you heard or saw or just spammed you, right? But then I read a quote, and I don't know if this is true, but it said that your subconscious is the root of your actions. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. So this thing I've discarded as like the trash bin of things that are just extra floating stuff that are just like too much mm-hmm. info. That's actually the root of your actions. It is. So because talk to your me about- subconscious is like your hard drive. It's actually holding on to every memory, every story from past to present and to future. Okay, so the subconscious, the opposite of it is your conscious. Mm-hmm. So to me, the word consciousness means yes. that you're conscious, you're yes. present, yeah. you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in my car and go to work mm-hmm. today, make that money, yeah. come home and have dinner. That's conscious. Yes. What would the subconscious of that be? The subconscious would be how do you open your door? How do you get out your key? How do you put your shoes on? How do you, the automatic behaviors that are learned behaviors from childhood, from really 
the first seven years of our life, we're sponges, we're just absorbing information, there's no right, there's no wrong. However, our parent, mother or father or anybody taught us how to put our shoes on is how you put your shoes on every day. And you don't notice how you do it, how you brush your teeth, how you brush your hair, how to how you do your makeup. Like I used to be a lefty and I was forced to change because I was born in a country where that was unacceptable. And so now I use both sides of my brain equally and half of my makeup, my left side of my face, I do with my left hand and my right side I do with my right hand. And when I was going to makeup school to Mud in Burbank many years ago, my teacher was like, what are you doing? And I said, what am I doing? She said, how are you doing that? I said, I don't know, that's normal, that's subconscious. Girl, I'm getting yeah. a massive light bulb right now. <laughs> so what you're saying is instead of the things that we consciously think about to go do, the subconscious actually is mad vital but also could be dangerous because you, as you're going to work, could also be getting up and hating your day, mm-hmm. going to the mirror and going, oh, my God, I look so fat. Not even thinking about it, just yes. going to put on the jeans that hide yes. your rolls, yes. putting on a a oversized sweater because you want to mask Mm -hmm. yourself from anybody who wants to pay attention to you going to put on makeup and going why should I even bother I'm not even gonna do this I'm gonna go put on sunglasses because growing up someone told you oh you're too overweight or oh you don't look good in this certain thing and you start believing that it's just repetition or going to the fridge and picking unhealthy things to eat and overeating because Mm -hmm. you're not even thinking about it you're just getting to your car to go to work (gasps) I get it now I get the difference okay so your subconscious, this comes from your past, mm-hmm. people think things have told you, mm-hmm. bad habits. Mm-hmm. Is it's it possible to change your subconscious? Absolutely. Because How? within that subconscious is many, many, many memory stories, experiences uh, that are positive and or negative. So it just depends. Clients that come to me, I simply explain to them, this is your hard drive. In order to ch- make changes, you must go into the hard drive. You can't just go on the desktop, which is the consciousness, and delete certain files and think it's gone. It's still in the subconscious. You need to go deep within there to make those changes. And the way that works, every single day we go through that process. Every night as we go to bed and every morning as we wake up, we bypass the beta, which is the conscious state, 12%. And then we tap into alpha and theta and delta levels, which is sleep state. And then in the morning, we go from delta to theta to alpha and then most people into beta. So if we function daily on the alpha state, we function in a place of more peace, more comfort, more contentment. When challenges come our way, we don't get triggered. We don't go into fear. Triggers are when you fall into the beta, which is where fear is, limitations are, any and all anxiety and depression. All of that is just being in the beta state of mind. You just fucking matrixed (laughs) my whole layers of my brain. Okay, there's so much to talk about. And the first thing I'm going to tap into when we come back from the break is how to change your subconscious after the break. Welcome back to Listen, Hanai, where I'm chilling here with Christine, a life coach that I have esteem respect for. And I'm learning so much about how we can just get some practical tips on how to change our mindset, our subconscious, and live a better health of your life. Before I went to the break, I asked about your subconscious because I'm just now at 40 years old learning that that is the root of your actions. Now, the reason why I'm paying attention to that, I love this quote that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. 
I think I'm learning more about the subconscious because I recently went and confronted my trauma, which was being molested at a young age. Had I not done that work, I wouldn't be so sensitive now to what being present is like and how to have daily practices to keep at this nice, comfy zone of love that I have for myself. So I want to ask you, trauma, for people out there, what is trauma? How do you know you've suffered from trauma, Mm -hmm. you're traumatized, Mm -hmm. and how does it tie into your subconscious? Well, trauma can be in many layers, levels, and trauma doesn't always necessarily mean something really heavy and dark the experience. Oh. Trauma sometimes can be simple things that for the individual, they see it as trauma, but it could be something because everybody's perception is different. Do you mean as light as somebody calling you fat in fourth grade yes, when you were walking by? Still be, be like Because bullying light. is trauma. Yeah. But it's not physical trauma. It's emotional sure, trauma. Like a car so, accident or exactly, a plane accident or something. Exactly. So trauma is really the reason why it gets stuck with the individual is because while that process, that experience is happening, whether it's one time or multiple times, it doesn't matter. Of course, with multiple times, it becomes even bigger and bigger trauma is number one, the trauma is when something out of ordinary, out of safety, security happens to us. We are highly suggestible during that time. Again, a hypnotic state, but not a positive hypnotic state, but a negative one. Because in that moment, your subconscious is wide open to any uh, possibilities and experiences. There's no judgment. There's no labeling. And then that experience comes and your body just knows this is not safe. This is not right. And so during that time, because of your suggestibility, that information quickly goes into the subconscious and takes root. And it becomes root. a memory. Yes. And it stays there until yes. you do something about exactly. it. Exactly. And the reason why you healed from it, because you said the key words, you faced it. You can't ignore it and suppress it. One day, someday it comes out. And the more that we suppress it over the years, sometimes my clients are in their 70s facing something that happened to them when they were three years old. The longer you wait, the bigger it feels, the heavier it becomes energetically. Because ultimately, it's energy. That trauma is no longer existing in your life. Right. It's just energy memory that's stuck, trapped in your subconscious. Right. Okay, here's how I realized I was traumatized. I didn't think about it because I honestly, after it happened, I was like, okay, that was fucked up. And then mm-hmm. I moved on with my life, had yeah. relationships, got divorced, whatever, real yeah. life, right? But then I noticed it because I live in a house where my mom moved in after my divorce. And she still hasn't left. She's chilling like a villain. Mama Mai, I know you're listening. (laughs) Pack your bags. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But so she's there, and I noticed that... So I'm a television personality. Yay, love Jeannie Mai. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm so nice to people, and I hear these compliments about me, and, and that's great. I know who I am in front of people. But, Christine, when I would be at home, and let's say my mom and I got in a fight, I would lash out at her or say really biting words that if you're following me on Instagram, you would never normally think Jeannie would say that. And I was also really like harsh on myself, you know? And it wasn't until I kind of just in that practicing to be present, I was like, fuck, I'm kind of gross when it comes to the people closest to me. I'm actually not that nice and not that jovial in what you see on the gram or whatever. And that's when I got a check and I was like, where is this coming from? Right. Am I like not getting enough sleep? Probably true. Am I also working too much? Probably true. But then why am I doing those things? Mm -hmm. Why am I working too much? Why am I not getting sleep? And I realized that um, it somehow came back to the fact that I, I guess subconsciously, distract myself from 
thinking about the heavy pit in my stomach that I'm still depressed about mm-hmm. something that my mom had not done when she should have about my molestation. Exactly. So she my didn't mom protect you. She didn't protect me, right? So somehow in that present state of mind and being self-aware and mm-hmm. kind of looking for why I was mm-hmm. acting out these ways, I found that, Mom, I'm still pissed at you yes. because you weren't there for me. So anytime you make me mad, even if you left the milk out, right. I'm like, oh, God, you just like, this is what I mean. You don't do anything right. You couldn't even be there for me as my mom. And that was jacked up because I was like, oh, shit, that's since like mm-hmm. 30 years ago. That's right. So I want to ask you, when you have trauma, how do you recognize it? For me, it was pretty obvious. It's how I acted out. What are some common traits that people? I want it to my. I want to speak specifically to my fam right now. When it comes to symptoms, how do you know you're traumatized? Again, depending on what you've gone through, a lot of times when it's sexual abuse, it's there's two different ways that it shows up. Either we become overly sexually active, or we just pull away completely, and mm. we can't be in relationships, and we can't allow love. Our heart center basically closes. That's what it becomes because you're too afraid. You can't trust. And so lack of trust becomes a big thing Mm. when it comes to trauma. And bleeds over to your relationships. Exactly. What are some other traits that are really common that you read about in magazines, you see on television shows, reality shows, whatever, the things that you constantly hear women deal with and Mm -hmm. then you're like, that has to, that's got to be some trauma I see that a lot in the reality shows yeah especially 90 day fiance there were some characters in there that too yeah (laughs) i just watch them and i observe they their behavior and sometimes tell me some habits with all my heart i want to reach out to these individuals and just say this is what's happening with you um particularly some of the women just feeling like they're not worthy of better. They're settling. They're taking certain things and certain behaviors and thinking, you know, I'm not lovable and I'm not I'm not pretty enough or I'm not. It's just multiple layers and it just spirals down from there. But what they don't realize is the world is simply responding to their inner world. If you come from a place of lack of self-love, the world is going to see you as as such because that was my past. I was a doormat until 10 years ago, and I kept doing so much for so many, including family members and friends, and not realizing that all I was seeking for is to be accepted and to be loved. And But in the end, I was literally removing energetic knives off of my back Ooh. every time because they would just stab me in the back and I would be cry and say, but I'm so nice to them. What is wrong with the world? Why am I such a victim? That's the <gasps> biggest thing that we get trapped in, victimhood. Oh. And we start feeling sorry for ourselves. And that doesn't help. It's about learning to love yourself, accept yourself. And it's as simple as daily repetition of positive affirmations for yourself. In the beginning, your ego, logical brain is going to keep fighting you and saying, who are you kidding? You don't feel like that, but you keep going. That's why we always talk about minimum 21 to 38 rule, because it takes our mind, our body 21 to 30 days to make shifts and changes. For some people, it, that is enough. For some people, it's 60 days. For some people, it's 90 days. But a minimum they, is 20. Exact. 21 practices. Absolutely. Because the point is repetition is how the subconscious absorbs information. If you commit to it, you will see the change. You can't just say it one time and be like, oh, this is not going to work. If you do that, then it's not going to work. So if you commit to at least 20 days of incorporating healthy mm-hmm. practices right. to thwart your subconscious, yes. it can be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how I did it. 
Wow. So do you go back and think about some of those old thoughts or any of that old trauma? Over time, no. Okay. Because in the 10 years, look, 10 years ago, I hit rock bottom. My doctor said, if you don't change something, I was emotionally killing myself. Really? Because I was an accountant and I was in a very dark place and my physical body was just falling apart, deteriorating. And I had gut issues and I had all sorts of things happening that were no explanation other than emotions. So when my doctor told me that, I realized I have to change something. And really, I just surrendered and I prayed and left accounting behind. And this world, you know, through a vivid dream, really. I just woke up one day and I typed in and I was studying for the CPA exam at the time. I, I typed in, Googled it, hypnotherapy. And I was like, what is that? Because my culture, we don't believe in therapy. We right. take care of our own problems. Absolutely. Right? You, you don't come go from to an anybody else. Armenian background. Armenian, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it changed my world. And I, in the beginning, I made that commitment to myself. I said, if this works, if it changes my life then I'm a believer. And I'm going to keep doing it because whatever I've been doing, I failed. It hasn't worked. I was miserable. So what do I need to do? I need to do something different. And I started doing the opposite of that. And in the beginning, it's not easy. Your ego tries to get in there and like, like kind of overpower you and become louder and louder. But in the end, as you commit and continue, I promise you, okay, you will conquer. I want to talk about solutions. Yeah. Because you just mentioned hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. What I know of hypnotherapy, I'll be honest with you, Christine, it kind of scares me. I feel like it's a hex or something really dangerous because what I've learned or what I've seen, seen, not learned, I never took an invested interest. I've seen is it feels like you're turning off that person's mind so that you can input your thoughts and control mm-hmm. them. Tell me the myths of hypnotherapy. Right. Tell me how it helped you. And that's exactly what it is. Not. Okay. Hypnotherapy is none of that. And okay. many of my cultural peers and people come to me and they go, what if I get stuck in hypnosis? It's not possible because, again, a hypnotic state is a deep meditative state. It's the same state you go through every single night before you go to bed and every morning that you wake up. It's those vibrational states that you go into from beta, tapping out of beta, the beta takes a backseat and your subconscious becomes wide open. Let me tell you, there's nothing I can tell my clients in a hypnotic session that they disagree with that they will take on. They will quickly kick, even if it's positive things we're working on in their subconscious, their logical brain begins to go, oh, I'm not ready to work on that. The body languages, the body like there'll be kicks and there'll be movement from one part of the body that says, I'm not ready to change that. Okay. And nothing can be forced. Remember, you always have free will. There's nothing that I, there's not an affirmation or therapeutic suggestion that I give my clients that is beyond what they want. They always approve the list of the things we're going to work on. And then we, so it's about intention, right? It's, I don't sure. do anything for my clients or to my clients that they don't agree to. So are the visuals we have of somebody being hypnotized to bark like a dog or sleepwalk or, you know, go do That's crazy- just stage hypnosis. That's not hypnotherapy. That's, is that, oh, so yes. that is real. It can yes, happen, but it's not absolutely. the type of practice you take part in. Not at all. But it's similar in a way that one is for entertainment purposes and the other is for healing purposes only. Okay. The entertainment pra- and they're both work the same way. Why? Because we work with a person's suggestibility. Some people are way more suggestible than others. But does that mean sometimes the myth is also people, some people can't be hypnotized? I've had the most skeptic clients. I've had clients who come from worlds where their only their left brain has been developed, right? Their right brain, they're kind of disconnected from it. 
and they still go into a hypnotic state and then come out of it going, how did you do that? How did you? I'm like, I didn't do that. You did. Because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Oh, I'm not you're hypnotizing just guiding any, exactly. Like meditation is guided. That's right. That's okay, right. Okay. So walk me through one of your craziest cases of hypnosis. Tell me like from start to finish, what did the person have a problem with? Mm-hmm. How did you sit them down? What happens? Do you do a pendulum thing? Like what happened? <laughs> None of that. And then how did you see results? Right. So, I mean... There are so many, but uh, while I can't go into detail of of it because it's confidentiality, but at the same time, I've had clients that have had severe sexual trauma from childhood, family member doing that to them over and over and over. When they come to me, again, I always first, before I schedule anybody's session, I always have a consultation over the phone with my clients because it's the most important part in me explaining to them every modality I work with. Everything that I do with my clients has to kind of be aligned with their belief system, of course. And the reason why I have so many different modalities is seldomly I have clients that come and they say, you know, I don't want to do hypnotherapy today. Can we do any other tools? And that is why I have the backup tools to support us in healing, in the healing process. So they come in, of course, after the consultation, we make the agreement, we take the appointment, make the appointment, and they come in and then they write down all the intentions of what they want to work on. Intentions are most important. Everything we do, we do with intentions, either good intentions or bad intentions, although I'll say there are not necessarily bad intentions. Even people that do the darkest things in life, to them, they have a good intention. They're seeking for love. Even the bad behaviors that people show, they're seeking for love. Well, what about a mass shooter? Is a mass shooter intentional? They're brainwashed. They're brainwashed. What person that is, and that's why I see, do you see the power of the subconscious mind? Beliefs are what can create or destroy so the belief that everybody's against you, yes. nobody likes you, I mean, nobody deserves to live. I mean, look at Hitler. What did he do, right? right? His intention was to cleanse the the culture or whatever his intention was. Right. For him, it was good. But for the world, it was horrible. Right. Okay. I so see what you're going So that's what it at. is. For him, for his personal, I was, I would say, selfish reasons. Yes, of course. It was good. But for the world, it was it was. Trauma. So going back to the sexually traumatized client example. Mm -hmm. So you sit them down in a room. Kind Mm -hmm. of walk me through the process of hypnosis. How long does it take? What are they doing? Perfect. Will do. So the first session is always two hours long. Within those two hours, of course, we do the coaching part, which is the cognitive part, where I go through and I ask my clients questions. And oftentimes they cry. And because they say, all these years, no one, not even my therapist asked me these questions. It's about really getting to the root of it. I don't like putting Band-Aids over trauma for my clients or over anything, even the simplest stress. I don't like putting you know Band-Aids over it because it's just on surface. We don't, it's not about treating symptoms. It's about treating the person and healing them from within. So during the cognitive part and asking them questions, I write down and I don't write down the trauma stuff because to me it's all about energy and I wanna respect my clients because as hypnotherapists, we're not meant to do clinical notes. So I don't write down the difficult stuff. I just listen to them, I listen to their belief systems and I take my notes and then towards the end of the session, if we're doing hypnotherapy, at least 30 to 40 minutes is dedicated to the hypnotherapy session. I keep my clients longer in hypnosis because I want to give them Although scientifically it's been proven that the average person goes into hypnosis within 90 seconds, some of my clients are worried. They come in worried already. They're thinking, oh, my God, what if I can't turn off my brain? What if, what if, what if, what if? There's a lot of what ifs. And I tell them, no matter what, I would give you a long amount of time for you, you will naturally go into a hypnotic How state. How do you know when you're in the hypnotic state? How do you know when you're there? Right. 
So I explain to my clients with a chart. I show them the beta mind, what it does. I show them the alpha, the beta of the theta and the delta mind levels. And each one, while the alpha is where meditation begins and you feel like, okay, I'm here, I'm comfortable. You know, my body's relaxing and my eyes are closed. And But if I wanted to open my eyes, I could, but I'm here, I'm listening to Christine. And then the next layer is once, once you go into theta, floating sensations, rocking back and forth, side to side, wave-like energies, warmth or coolness, vibration shift. Some wow. of my clients experience. That's the state of hypnosis. Oh, yes, it is. And that's why in explaining to my clients when they are there, they don't fight it. So you can physically see it from their reaction yes. to it, but they just their feel calm. Their breathing changes. They know you're in the room. Exactly. They know they're being hypnotized. Of I'm right next to them. Okay. And I'm really energetically as well connecting to my client to feel what they're feeling. Because most of the time, it's like physically I would feel certain things. And then when we come out of the hypnosis, they're like, how did you know I felt that? How did you go there when I was feeling that and I say because energetically I connect with you I want to be that channel for you to take you to that space so you can overcome that blockage that you have within your body because it's really becomes blockages in the body so in that client example were Mm -hmm. they healed of that sexual trauma depending on the client's needs I always say how fast does each individual learn One session can be powerful. It's the foundation setting. They already feel lighter. They feel more free. They feel, and I also, of course, with, you know, hypnotherapy sessions, I give my clients through the coaching, like uh, exercises and things to do at home, affirmations and tools and techniques that support you in between sessions. Depending on the client, I've had clients that with one session, they conquered amazing results. And I have clients who they know themselves, and I ask them the question, how quick do you learn? Because in a classroom, not every student learns the same, right? right? Everybody learns differently. So depending on the person's mind, Typically, scientifically, it's it's like studies show that up to four sessions, you can create, again, that 21 to 30 day rule. You can create great changes up to six sessions. There's studies that show just hypnotherapy alone gives you 93% results, which no other t- therapy is able to do that. Wow. Because again, it's subconscious work. In that immediate aftermath, how can you tell that you're healed? How can you tell that you're, you know, how do you scale yes, that? Exactly. It's very subtle. My clients always come back for 10 years, including my own healing. You, They come back with the same wor- words. Oh, Christine, I don't understand. I don't know how this is working, but I'm more peaceful. Okay. I'm more calm. I'm more centered. Yeah. Things don't trigger me anymore. Things that used to piss me off that I would scream and yell and cuss. No, I don't do that anymore. Wow. So those are the results that you become. You function from the alpha state so that... Okay. Your past no longer holds you hostage. You're not dragging that dead weight with you every day into your present and into the future. Okay. Now let's go to the more attainable skills of breathing and meditation. Mm -hmm. I recently caught on to breathing, the power of breathing. And I posted this on my Instagram. I also made a video of it on my YouTube series, Hello Hanai. And it's because I found that immediately right after I come out of a session of meditation or just some deep breathing, Mm -hmm. it makes me completely feel so much better. And I like instant things and I know my fans do too. So tell me about meditation and breathing and how we can do that at home. Absolutely. So meditation and breathing are, again, simple ways. There's With meditation, there are multiple ways that you can do that. There's, I believe, 23 different types of meditation. The easiest one that I always tell my clients 
You don't have to be an expert of meditation. You can even get mala beads. If people don't know what mala beads are, they're the ones that I have. They're like Bodhi tree seeds that are in a kind of like a necklace type thing. And there's 108 of them. And all you can do is just hold that in your hand as you pull each seed. You just say an affirmation. Let's oh. say, I love, I choose love and gratitude. That's my favorite affirmation that I start my day with. I choose love and gratitude because remembering, and in my book is the title of my book is Living Through Choice, the power of choice. That everything that we do, we do with intention and we do with choice. We have choices. We're not, our life is not controlled by something or someone. We have a choice. And by just choosing to just say 108 times, if you say, I choose love and gratitude what do you think is going to happen you're by the time start you're choosing done? some love and gratitude and noticing it around you exactly or putting some new age music and closing your eyes making sure nobody's going to disturb you like this would be, would be amazing for meditation because it's soundproof there's nothing nice no interruptions and there's a lock on the door <laughs> exactly, too girl exactly <laughs> so great place to meditate to put some new age music close your eyes and I know a lot of people think that you just have to empty your mind and that's where they get frustrated with meditation because look the world we live in there's noise everywhere there's things happening there's pay yeah. payments and there's bills and there's responsibilities so to me the best way that I desire and start my meditation every day is just close my eyes I say the first affirmation I choose to surrender to my higher self and I just envision this beautiful light tube like a portal that's I step into do I during the meditation find myself stepping out of it because my ego just chats blah 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 of course but I keep stepping back into it I keep stepping okay. back and then there's moments where you're like where did I go I went away and then you come back again to your consciousness because we're vibrational beings and our energy is constantly it's like changing emotions. and shifting exactly okay. so if people think they're gonna meditate and they're gonna be like 30 minutes in a theta state, no way. No, you're not. That you're going to constantly reassuring. go up and down, even when we sleep. If you were to wear some device like Fitbit, I don't know, and you, you check know, your breathing, check your, not or, even sorry, the breathing, you like check your, your sleep. Sleeping. Exactly. In the morning, when you look at that chart, it's not going to be flat. It's going to be up and down because you go in and out of sleep, deep sleep and light sleep. It's just normal. That's really reassuring. That's definitely the one thing I learned in order to appreciate meditation is to, you can kind of slowly take your time to Absolutely. take away what you had for lunch or what you have to do in a few minutes. And sometimes if you go back to it, you step back into the portal mm -hmm. that you envisioned. And Absolutely. I think that's such a great way to not make us feel guilty mm -hmm. about not being the ultimate grasshopper meditator sitting on top yeah. of a fucking hill and yeah. whatnot, you and know? with meditation, any form of meditation, as, as soon as, as, as long as you allow yourself to find that space where even if it's seconds that you tapped into that portal, your vibration and frequency just goes up. Skyrocket. And that's why you feel the way you feel afterwards. Okay. Breathing. Can you give us some really quick tips on breathing? So breathing, there's multiple layers of breathing. The breath work that I do with my clients is sequence of two breaths in, one breath out. And it's like a process that individuals can do it. But if they're first timers, I wouldn't consider like it's a good idea to do like 30 minutes of it because if you go through some things and which is I always watch my clients when they're breathing and experiencing the breath work and then there's the rest time which you know it, it's a whole process but as far as you know breathing they can do a simple breath kind of process where they can count their breath 
They can, and most importantly, it's to remember to breathe through the abdomen, not through the chest. And that is the problem where a lot of times anxiety hits as well because everybody's doing shallow breathing from the chest. And that's why our brain's not getting enough oxygen and it starts kind of freaking out mm -hmm. and then it affects your body and that whole thing. So when we're breathing, we can count. Whatever it is, count to five, count to seven gently as you're breathing in, feeling the belly and extending Expand. it out, expanding it out, and then holding for about three seconds and then taking a really deep exhale. Understood. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Christine. This has been so helpful. I highly recommend you guys check out Living Through Choice which is Christine's book. It's an Amazon bestseller, congratulations, Thank called you. Living Through Choice. It's got a beautiful, brilliant blue and purple cover. I love your Instagram page, Christine. It's called Journeys to Heal. You'll see her gorgeous picture there, but your affirmations, your small takeaways and tips, so easy and digestible. And of course, I think people should contact you and get your help and have you be a part of their lives if they're dealing with any of the things we listed mm -hmm. when it comes to trauma and subconscious negative thinking and all of these habits that are constantly going to follow them until they do something about it. So where can we find you? So they can find me at Journeys to Heal or the website www.journeystoheal.com and I'm on Instagram under at Journeys to Heal on Facebook and my book and all of that stuff is on the website. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm, Thank you I'm for so having filled. Me, my Thank love. you so much for helping everybody yeah, out there absolutely. just to be more mindful about being happy and being at peace. Grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. If you guys liked this, no, duh, of course you guys love this podcast. Make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. I love reading your comments, so let me know what you thought about this. And do check out Journeys to Heal. Take care of each other. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.